Welcome to HomeWise, a podcast of Highlands Ministries. Wisdom is essential in building a strong family and home life. Proverbs says that a wise woman builds her house and a foolish woman tears it down. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Kara Murphy, my wife and the mother of our 10 children, ages 3 to 20. I've been blessed with a wise and godly wife, and over the years I've learned that Christian women appreciate her perspective and need encouragement to rise above the folly of our culture and be home wise. Today we're going to do something we've never done before, and that is I'm going to talk without Steve here. (laughs) Normally we have conversation, and I find it a lot easier to talk when I have someone to talk with, but Steve has several commitments, and I had promised that this week we would talk about planning, and I didn't want to miss that. So I'm going to talk to the air and have lots of compassion for my friends who have done uh, podcasting without having someone to have a conversation with. But one of my very favorite things in the world to do is to plan. In fact, I think I would rather plan than actually do the things that I had planned to do. (laughs) I find it very satisfying. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's a lot of moms, and particularly homeschool moms, who enjoy making up their plans, uh, but maybe sometimes have a little trouble following through with their plans. I have learned over the years how to plan more efficiently and more effectively. Um, Early on, I know that my homeschool planning particularly failed because I was simply just way over ambitious. And I tried to do too much, and I doomed myself from the beginning because there was no possible way that we could do all the things that I wanted to do in a day and continue to eat and wear clean clothes and get children to bed on time and not physically wear myself out. So I have learned to not overplan as much, but I will admit that pretty much every year I start off with overplanning and then have to cut out some things and cut out some things and then realize what isn't actually, what it will actually fit into our day. But first I wanted to talk about some different ways of planning. Uh, I've done it, let's see, I've been homeschooling Rich's 22, so... I've been making homeschool plans since he was probably three, (laughs) so 19 years of homeschool planning. This will be my 19th year. Um, So, you know, have done this a few times, and um, I know that a lot of homeschool moms like to do a lot of their planning over the summer. Some of them are very efficient, and they do their planning in the spring, and then they're able to go to a big conference and buy all the things that they need, but... I like to think about what I'm going to be doing, but um, I really like the long days of summer to spend more time thinking through what we're going to do. And I find that my mind is clearer if I'm not full of what we're actually doing today and looking ahead and having a little more wiggle time. And in summers, we usually, I usually have those, those long afternoons and the air conditioning where more planning can happen. Um, there are different ways to plan for, uh, particularly for your homeschool is what I'm focusing on today. And, uh, I'd like to talk about some of those because even though this is probably more geared toward our young homeschool moms, 
sometimes we veteran homeschool moms get stuck in a rut and we forget that there are other ways to go about planning what we're going to do for the year. And so maybe this will help someone who's uh, get, give them a new idea or give them a different way of looking at things that maybe will freshen it up a bit because when you've been doing it so much, um, there is comfort in knowing what's going to work and what's not, but there also can be a staleness that's sort of boring. And so, um, you know, maybe this will help out some of those veterans as well as those new homeschool moms. Some of the ways that I have planned over the years, um, when we lived in South Carolina, we had a requirement of having to homeschool 180 days out of the year. And we had to turn in a, a calendar. And basically, I just used a year-at-a-glance calendar. And every day we did school, I put a check mark on the day. Um, you actually had to do 180 days, but you got 10 unexcused absences, which pretty much meant that you really only had to do 170 days. And most states are that way. There are a few, I think Kansas has 190 and several others that, um, that if you have to count your school days, they'll tell you how many, and that's a great place for HSLDA to tell you what you need to do. But even after we moved from South Carolina, I found that sort of that 180 day, um, school year fit well, um, if you're using a lot of curriculum. That fits well because most curriculum is geared toward 180 days of, you know, checkboxing, if you will. Um, and also it's just a, it's just a nice rule of thumb because it's similar to what's expected. Um, if that's the way you want to do it, um, one of the easiest ways is to get that year at a glance calendar. And depending on when you want to start your school year, I have done it where we've done it January to December and just used a regular calendar year, and that was our, quote, year. Uh, I've started our school year in July. I've started our school year in August. I think August is probably my favorite one. Um, we generally uh, use Labor Day as our getting back to school the day after Labor Day. And some of that's just a little bit of defiance in me when these poor kids are going to school on April 2nd and 3rd and 4th in our area and they're sitting in unair-conditioned schools and and they're doing it because they're trying to get more days in before they have to do their standardized testing, not because that's what's best for the kids per se, but because that's what's best for their test scores. Uh, I like to sort of protest and <laughs> so a lot of times we don't start back till the day after Labor Day, which is the way... It, Used to be. Used to be school was from Labor Day to Memorial Day. Remember that? Um, yeah. I, I kind of like that as a general model. And that gives you three full months of summer that way. And um, so that's one way to look at it. And if that's the way you're going to do it, I go through on my year at a glance and I mark all of our, our holidays. And then I mark any of the vacation days, our family always takes off a week around Reformation Day <clears throat> because we have friends that come into town and it's a big celebration in the life of our church. We always take some time off around Christmas, of course, and anybody who's listened to our 12 Days of Christmas podcast knows that we're very, very busy during that time, but maybe not so much with all of the academic work. We generally take off a week around uh, St. Patrick's Day, which is a little bit of an odd thing, but we have friends um, that we go visit, and they have a large 
missions emphasis and a big celebration for their church around St. Patrick's Day. And since some of our good friends are there, we enjoy going up there. So that's our family weeks of vacation. Um, so we do sometimes take around a Resurrection Day, Good Friday, you know, and, and we take, you know, of course, Thanksgiving. And so I'll go through and I usually take a red marker um, and highlight, you know, or, or circle or um, I like to use the year to glance that have little squares and fill in the squares of all those holidays. And then I'll, I usually use a blue one to mark our vacation days, days that I know for sure that we're not going to be doing, you know, any school at all. Then um, it's interesting because if you have a 52 weeks and, you know, five weekdays out of that, that's about 260 days. And um, you take out some of your holidays and things and you still got, you still got over 200 days. In fact, one day I calculated that we generally do school about 220 days out of the year. Uh, now, we don't always do full school, as I, my kids call it, where we do everything. But um, we're at least doing, you know, math and some independent reading and um, that kind of work pretty much um, that much. So if you want, you could mark half days. Some people like to do half days on Friday. Uh, now, half days when you're homeschooling are kind of interesting because it depends on how long it takes you to get your schoolwork done. Um, a lot of homeschool kids working independently can get their schoolwork done. You know, the little ones can get it done usually, you know, hour to two hours. Um, the older ones usually two or three hours, sometimes four if they're into the high school work. So, you know, it's a half day, two hours a day. <laughs> or for me, it's that we've done certain subjects, but not others. And I don't like to take off too long of a time from math because I don't like to see the regression. It seems like it wastes time. And, um, of course, we try to always be reading. So, you know, if you've done reading and math, you know, you've, you've done, quote, half day, if you will. Um, another way to plan is instead of calculating how many days that you're going to, you know, quote, do school, is you plan uh, how much work you're going to get done over the course of the year. And this works a lot better for families that use more of a textbook approach. And because the, the work is proportioned out, if you will, you know, you know, when you've done Matthew C. Beta, you have done a full year of math for that child. Uh, you know that when you finished your history book, you have done a year of history at that grade level that you're at. And so you could just look at your materials and say, okay, that's a year's worth of work. And when that's done, we're, we're done for the, that school year. Even if you don't use the textbooks, you could do the same thing. Uh, this is sort of what uh, curriculum like Sunlight has done, where they have said, okay, this much reading is uh, a year's worth of work. And, you know, and so when you're done with your read alouds and your readers and, and these things, you've done a year's worth. So, you know, some kids really get vested and, and work really hard and they can get um, a lot of things done in a short period of time. And we've talked about some of our boys who have done as much as five levels of math, which are, you know, basically years in uh, two or three years. And uh, we find that they do that toward the end of their education when they're, they're pushing to want to be quote graduated and they're wanting to be done with the at home schoolwork. So, you know, you could do that that way for sure. 
I do this more for the high schoolers. We'll sit down and figure out, say, what does a credit in American history look like? Well, if you read this reading list of books, if you write this many pages, um, and, you know, that much work equals uh, credit in American history. And there you go. And so, you know, if they do that in... Um, in the 180 or 150 or 120 or 90 hours, you know, if they're a good fast reader, they might get a lot done a lot faster. If reading is a challenge, they may have some more hands-on projects. And so how much, you know, are we going to assign to those things? And so, you know, when you're done with this amount of work, you're done with this school year. Another way that I have done school is to pretty much just plan on every weekday doing school unless something else is going on. And then I have a checklist for each day. And this is the amount of work we want to get done each day. Now, the challenge with that is that when you over plan, you created a situation where you're never going to get your checklist done. And that's frustrating for the kids and it's frustrating for mom and it creates a lot of stress. So if you're going to do the checklist method where you pretty much plan on doing school every day, and then you plan on checking off your checklist, make sure that your checklist is doable. And uh, that may mean that instead of planning on unit study every day, you may do unit study one day, and you might do math act review one day, or you know, say two days, and read aloud on one day. And you know, you may not do every single thing every single day. You may decide, these are the daily things we need to get done. And then these are the other things that we are going to do weekly, at least once a week or on certain days of the week. And that way you can plan for library trips or whether you're going to have a class outside of the house or piano lessons or that sort of thing. So that that, um, so you're not overloading, expecting, you know, lots of work that is, you know, on a really good day, you could get it all done, but you're not always going to have really good days. And so, so you check those, keep your checklist minimal so that it's doable. Um, another thing that we've done is to, well, in your planning, to decide whether you're going to do uh, more of a year-round schooling or whether you're going to follow a traditional school year calendar. Uh, we have done, we've done both to some degree, although I don't know if we've ever taken off three months on purpose from everything, <laughs> um, you know, not, not doing some things, um, as far as academic work. But when our children were all young, we found it a lot easier to school three or four days a week and do it year round. Um, so, so that we had time for all of the interruptions in life, and that included new babies and moving and kids being sick and mom being sick. And so we did as much as we could do, and we just we just kept going all year long. That's a nice way to do it, and it's um, very lifestyle-oriented. Um, it also can be tiring after a couple of years, though, because you're never really just stopping and taking a break. And I find that if um, I do that for too long, I start going toward that homeschool burnout idea where I just, I've run out of ideas and this is not fun anymore. And it has become just sort of a drudgery. 
And so I find that sometimes taking a break, even if it's just a week or two, and just putting everything away for a week or two, then I'm able to come back to it more energized, come back to it with some more positive attitude toward it. One of the uh, pitfalls of the year-round schooling is is the idea, I call it the always doing school except method, <laughs> meaning you're just constantly doing it. And, um, and there's, there's a time and a place for that, but we as homeschoolers tend to feel a need to prove ourselves. We feel a need to justify what we're doing. And because of that, we tend to expect too much from ourselves and from our kids. And a great example of that is, um, I had mentioned, and I don't really, I don't really even know what they're doing these days in the sunlight curriculum. I haven't looked at it in years. But one time I read or, yeah, I read something that talked about, you know, the sunlight curriculum. And they said, basically, if you lived on a deserted island (laughs) with you and your child, there would be enough in that planned school year to keep your child busy and learning throughout their days. And, of course, the assumption is that nobody lives on a deserted island. Um, nobody has nothing else going on in their lives other than school. Um, the idea was that, you know, they have just packed that full of stuff. And I, I appreciate their desire to give more to, um, to uh, you know, there's... They're, they're giving a good value, if you will, for what they're giving you. They're covering, quote, covering everything. They're, you know, making sure that your child has, quote, everything he needs. Um, unfortunately, that is, um, I've heard of moms using that and feeling like that's what they have to do. And then spending six to eight hours a day doing school because they're trying to get all their checklists done. They're trying to get all their, quote, subjects in. And that is kind of crazy when you think of if you are in institutional school um, and then, you know, you're sick or you can't make it in. There's like a six to two is, is the ratio that everyone just assumes to be true, which is for every six hours that you spend in academic classes, it takes two hours of one on one tutoring to get that same amount of material done. And which is one of the reasons why homeschooling should be more efficient. Um, if every hour of homeschooling is worth three hours of classroom education, you can get a lot done and still not exhaust your child. What I find homeschoolers doing, though, is still doing six hours of education, still doing, still expecting um, three, four, five hours, six hours from their kids when really what would be more appropriate is one to two or three. And so it's easy to fall into this temptation of, um, I have to do all of this to sort of prove myself. The other thing that we homeschoolers totally forget is that almost no classroom teachers ever finish the books they've been given to teach that year. Um, I remember learning that, um, in math, um, you know, you've got 180 days, but so why does like Saxon only have 153 lessons? 
Well, and the first 20 are usually complete review of the year before because that's all they're expecting a classroom teacher to get done. Um, you know, they, we would say, um, that social studies book or that, um, language arts book, uh, you know, you weren't paying attention because you were a student, but the truth is your teacher, she would often skip around and do different things. And there were things that she skipped that she didn't do at all things that she added to it. But, um, but more importantly, things that she just skipped altogether. And she did that because she was maybe trying to get caught up again. <laughs> and I remember that very, very clearly. Um, skimming over two or three lessons so that we were more, we would hit our mark on, you know, a fourth way through the book or halfway or, you know, and I don't, I don't, most homeschool moms wouldn't even, I mean, they would feel like they were cheating if they did that. They would feel like they were not giving their child the education they deserved if they did that. And, um, so encouraging the homeschool moms to realize that, um, you're probably inclined, you know, <laughs> your temptation is going to want to be to fill every single blank in every single book. And that's actually way beyond what happens in, in a, in a typical school most of the time. Um, and some of it's because, you know, there's, it's less efficient. And some of it's because there are a lot of interruptions, um, we have a, a good friend who's in public school and, you know, she just listed for us all of the days that there are outside assemblies, um, and of course field trips, but even more just other things that interrupt the days. And then how many days are spent in really just frivolous activities? You know, I mean, we all remember the Friday afternoon popcorn party and the movie, um, there was a lot of time. There's just a lot of time that's wasted. And it, it, it I mean, in some ways I, I have a great deal of sympathy for a classroom teacher because, um, you know, the, the kids, you know, six, eight hours a day of sustained attention, it's, it's tough. And, um, kids weren't really, especially younger kids weren't really built for that anyways. So you have to sort of break things up and have some fun times and play you know, around the world or, or whatever to break up the day because, um, it's just not heavy duty hitting academics all the time. And I think we homeschool moms forget that. And so then we feel guilty when we do half day Fridays or that sort of thing. Um, so that we can go play at the park or that, you know, when we don't, um, go not just meet that standard, but go way above and beyond. Um, the last thing that I would encourage, um, us to do as we're doing our school planning is to really investigate the most efficient ways to accomplish what it is that we want to accomplish. Um, curriculum is not always the best or most efficient way to learn a topic. And, um, we've learned a lot over the last few years about how to teach even the basics like math and reading and how to do it as efficiently as possible to move our children along as quickly as possible to help them be independent as soon as possible. Um, and so looking for ways to make that more efficient will then maximize your time. And that way you have time to do, you know, what I call all the fun stuff. You know, for me, all of the, all of the content subjects, the uh, 
all of your history and your science and your art and your music. And those are the fun things to do. And those are the things that we want to do together. And we want to be doing, you know, we're going to do them in a more unstructured way. We're going to be doing projects and we're going to be reading and going to the library. And I want to give my children as much time as possible to do that sort of thing. So I don't want them spending an inordinate amount of time learning their math. Um, if your first, second, third, fourth grader is spending 45 minutes to an hour on math, it's time to look at new ways to do it because that's a lot of his day vested into something that shouldn't be that hard to teach or that shouldn't take that long. And so looking for ways to maximize, you know, the stuff that's just the skill areas, the things that aren't just quite as much fun. Um, my apologies to all of those engineers out there. I know you all think math is a lot of fun. <laughs> a few of my children like it. But, um, but you know, learning, helping them be proficient in the skill areas so that then you can free up the time for all the fun things um, and whatever that means for your family. So I hope this helps as uh, most of us through the summer are looking ahead to digging back in and really getting started on our year. Um, whether that's in July or August or September or January. And um, hopefully you can set some, get some ideas and set some goals and, um, and just know that, you know, we don't always reach our goals, but I do believe that if you fail to plan, you, you plan to fail. So you got to at least have a, have an idea of where you want to go and try to get there as best and easily as you can. Hello, friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode of HomeWise with Steve and Kara Murphy. If you have a moment and you are of the mind, please make a donation to Highlands Ministries to help support these podcasts. Uh, you can go to the website at highlandsministriesonline.org and there's a Donate Now button. You can sign up for a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Any amount is appreciated, and if we get a million monthly supporters, we will do this from the beach.